Hey, listeners, welcome to the Joyful Courage 2022 Summer Throwback Series. We are wrapping up these throwbacks and are super excited to be offering up brand new shows to you beginning next week. Joyful Courage is a conscious parenting podcast where we tease apart the challenges and nuances of parenting through adolescence. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer and adolescent lead at Sproutable, a company that represents not only the growth of children, but also the journey and the evolution that we all get to go through as parents. I walk the path right alongside you as I navigate parenting my 16 and 19-year-old here in Bellingham, Washington. Today, I'm going way back to share a raw and vulnerable conversation with my friend and colleague, Kristen Huvios. You've heard me say before that part of our work as parents is to clean things up when we realize that that we have made a mistake or contributed to a dynamic that is hurtful in our home. Kristen and I tease us apart. We tell our own stories of making amends to our kids and offer tools to support you in this powerful work. I also want to drop another reminder that that Teaching Parenting the Positive Discipline Way online training starts in a few weeks, and Julietta and I would love to have you. She and I are so passionate about this work, and the fact that we can train future parent educators just creates an even bigger ripple. Yay! Find out more at besproutable.com and click on the navigation bar to get to the Parent Educators page. Thanks so much for being here. We are over 1 million downloads and 300 plus episodes strong, and you've taken us to the top 1% of podcasts worldwide. I appreciate you. Enjoy the show. My guest today is positive discipline trainer, Kristen Hovios. She combines a career of teaching and serving with her passion for creating mutually respectful environments for families, children, classroom, and schools. In her collaboration with teachers, administrations, and families, Kristen's goal is to help facilitate opportunities for adults and students to become compassionate leaders with the hope that doing so will help build more peaceful communities. She serves on the Positive Discipline Association's Board of Directors as, and is an approved vendor for Chicago Public Schools. Kristen also is a committed teacher with over a decade of experience in vocational adult education, serving Chicago's Cordova Institute as both educational director and adjunct faculty. With an understanding and dedication to lifelong learning, Kristen is also pursuing academic coursework to complete a master's in education. She found the work of positive discipline during her research for Chicago public school options for her two elementary age kids who remain both her best teachers and the encouragement for her continued learning. She resides in Chicago with her husband, children, and evolving menagerie of animals. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you, Casey. I'm so glad to I'm be so here. I'm so glad you're here too. Please share a little bit more. I kind of just gave your life story, but we're all good. <laughs> it's a long bio. I'm so it's sorry. Please share anything I left out about your journey to doing what you do. Well, I found positive discipline when I was looking for where my my kids were going to school. Um, Chicago is a vast, vast place. And my, both my husband and I um, are not Chicago natives, but we really wanted public school to be where our kids were. And it was it's just really, really important to us being citizens of the world to be citizens in our public school system. So as I was doing some research, I found this school called Ravenswood, and Ravenswood is a positive discipline school. I had no idea what that meant. So I ended up calling the school administrator and saying, who could tell me about this positive discipline thing? And the assistant principal got on the line, and I said, what it, what's it look like? like? Give me, it sounds great, but give me an example. And so he said a bunch of fifth graders were having a problem and a lot of them were getting hurt on the playground while they were playing football during recess. And we could have just stopped football, but that didn't seem very fair or give them an opportunity to do any problem solving. So they had this thing called a class meeting where they decided to have one person every day be the referee. 
and then they checked in the next week and there were no people no more people getting hurt i said this sounds great so we were able sometimes um Chicago Public School Choice is also known lovingly as Chicago Public School Chance because it's a lottery system. And we were lucky enough to get uh, both of our kids who are currently in third grade and second grade in when they were in first grade and kindergarten. And then I became a parent educator. So you you find the school and with this whole positive discipline thing, your kids get Mm -hmm. in. So I'm guessing you must have gone, did you find like, were you curious? What was the the kind of uh, where did you go as far as parenting went? Sure. Um, so at the same time that I was finding this great opportunity to be in schools and classroom, what's called classroom management and learning about social emotional learning, I also was completely struggling as a parent. <laughs> totally, <laughs> with you, just like uh, and not necessarily paying attention to my own gut. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a lot of other people in my life. It's like, you should do this and you should do this. And um, really struggling, especially with my daughter, who was the younger of our two children and made her presence known in the world. And sometimes it was very inconvenient for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So as I found this thing, I also found that they do this thing called parent training. And so I enrolled in a course and I became a certified parent educator and read books and found resources and started my journey to be a positive discipline parent. Mm -hmm. And I really adopted it in November of 2013. And my husband adopted it in May of 2014. And that was an interesting five months in our family. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I laugh because I know Kristen's husband. (laughs) Yes, I know. He is a good guy. Um, It just took him a while to understand that kind and firm does not mean permissive. And so... The other thing that we found as a family is that we were not living in our family. We thought it was a really good idea intellectually that mistakes are opportunities to learn. And we were not living that in our family. So mistakes became these really big deals like, you know, spilled milk right after I'd mop the floor was enormously awful. Right, right. <laughs> Such a big deal. And finding that my my peaceful parenting mm-hmm. self made me want to learn more, want to share more. So I started teaching parenting workshops and Ravenswood was wonderful because they, in their school improvement plan, they wanted to teach parenting workshops. So I said, I could do that for you. And my fabulous principal said, what else can you do? So I kept volunteering and offering and learning more and diving in. And now I'm a positive discipline trainer and I have become a CPS vendor and I'm teaching parenting classes um, and have an opportunity to bring this work to the administrations of other schools who are interested in building these intentional, mutually respectful environments, which is so not easy. Right. Because it, it really is challenging to change the language about how we are with children mm-hmm. and share our power. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm still learning how to share our power. Oh, yeah. In our family. Well, and I so appreciate two things that you just spoke into. One, talking about um, your husband and the kind and firm piece. I think that, like, you know, I think of that pendulum, right? So there's kind over on this side, and then it swings way over to firm. And often we as humans are either or, and it's just this this continuous practice to try to just do small swings right there in the middle, right? Right there in the middle. The both and is so can be so tricky because we have such poor models. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right? Well, I, and, I, and I think so... The other side of me is an anatomy teacher, right? I spent 10 years working for, um, in a, working to teach basically emerging adults massage skills. And I was the science teacher. So I, I taught the anatomy classes and I so appreciate this, this diving into the brain science about how we act 
and and what happens to us neurologically mm -hmm. when we are threatened and what happens to our bodies and what happens to our thoughts and our ability to find the nice things that are going to build relationships over time and how when we're really angry we cannot find that right. connection well and i think that plays and into the, the mistakes piece too right really? i mean it's totally. just like so connected This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And I and it's interesting, years ago I was at, so listeners, the Positive Discipline Association every summer has a think tank, a conference for all the educators and trainers to come together and learn. And I remember this one particular exercise, I think it was led by Kelly Pfeiffer, um, and she had all these numbers, one to 10 on the wall, and she asked all these questions and people lined up on the range on, you know, not buying it or fully bought, right? And so one of the questions is, how committed are you or how deeply do you believe that mistakes truly are opportunities to learn? And I watched this group, right? I watched this group of trained, positive, disciplined people spread out, right? You would assume mm -hmm. like, oh, of course, this is what we teach. We're all a 10 on this one. And no, and you would have been so surprised by who was where. And, and I think it just speaks into, you know, that whole concept of there's what we know to be true in our minds, but then there's like how we feel or be in the moment of our hearts. And it's really, you know, it's not enough just to say mistakes are opportunities to learn. It's okay. So now there's spilled milk all over the floor, how are you going to respond to that, right? Like in the moment stuff of, <laughs> oh, well, here's one of those practice opportunities. <laughs> like get your shit together. <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think this, the kind firm piece, the, there's a trip up sometimes that we have with this idea of kind it, it, where that kind 
is nice. Right. Yes, totally. It's not. And, and it is kind is very nice. That's, that's another meaning for us. And I think in the positive discipline sense and in this brain science sense, we have to be yeah, connected. Totally. And so I've started to change my language from kind and firm. Um, and this is after spending time with some other people who I just so appreciate the idea of connection and accountability. Ooh, I like that. I know who you were hanging out with. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was. So, but this, and I think that really helps when we look at the societal piece of consequence, mm-hmm. right? So you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So what's the consequence going to be? Because that we pay for our mistakes in the world, like in the bigger world, mm-hmm. right? And, or that's what we're used to saying. And when I'm talk, when I'm personally taking responsibility for my mistakes and repairing the mess, messiness that I, or the, you know, the, the chaos that I've created in my relationships, when I make a mistake, sometimes I have to be accountable for that. And so I'm keeping myself accountable as, but also trying to reconnect at the same time, um, which has totally changed the way that I apologize for wrongdoing. Right. And that's really what we're going to talk about on the show today. But before we get there, I just want to, I'm connecting some dots here too. So Mm -hmm. I love that what you just said about connected and accountable because when we think of consequences, it's often, <clears throat> you know, a, a dressed up word for punishment in a lot of minds, not, not our mm-hmm. minds, but in like the, well, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> but when you start to think <laughs> about, Hey, if I have to be accountable, if I have to fix my mistakes, repair relationships, sometimes repair objects, if I need to come kind of come clean, like that in and of itself is a consequence. And that's actually a, a place where we can mm-hmm. learn and grow um, and, and develop more life skills when we look through that lens. And that's what I really appreciate about what you said. Well, when we, I, I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to use that probably tonight when I'm doing some teaching. Yeah, Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so appreciate you. It's mutual. But I think sometimes when we talk about the word consequence, it's almost like, consequences like quicksand or consequences like wet cement and you put your foot in it and you could get stuck in it where when we have accountability for me the idea of accountability is the the person who made the mistake and the person with against whom or to whom the mistake was made with whom the mistake was made there's an opportunity to smooth it over like the person who's setting the concrete, I'm sure there's a tool for that, mm-hmm. right? What's the tool for setting concrete? And once you put your foot in it, you can then smooth it over, not like it never mm-hmm. happened, but truly making a repair. Yeah. Well, and let's dig into that because that's what we're going to talk about. Um, that's our real topic for the day. <laughs> and, um, and it's one of those tools that I like to say is all about human relationships. So yes, we talk about it in positive discipline, discipline. We talk about it with parents and teachers in their relationships with children. But as many of you who followed me or have been positive discipline students know, we call it parenting, but really it's humaning, right? It's human relationship skills. And so the tool that we're going to talk about making amends, also like you refer to it, recovering from a mistake, or as we say in our house, making it right. It's an actual... Mm -hmm positive discipline tool. So tell the listeners a little bit like about the logistics of making amends or the R's of recovery. We call it a lot of things, <laughs> right? True. Um, what are the steps to that? We'll start there. So the steps as I, as I walk the walk in my family, when I'm trying to make something right is to first, number one, make sure that everyone is ready for an apology to be connected. Right. So if if one of the two people, or sometimes one of the four people, depending on how big the mistake is in our in our little tribe here in Chicago, which is includes uh, my husband, my son, and my daughter, and myself, if if it's a big one, we all have to be ready. 
mm-hmm. and we all have to be calmed down. Yeah. So number one is just making sure that we're ready for that reconnection. So number, the second step for me is to actually reconnect to, to sit at eye level. And I like to think about it as heart level because mm-hmm. like I'm bigger than my kids. So make sure our hearts are about the same level. Um, and I don't have to be in front of them, but I can often be beside them. Um, and tell them, you know, I really want to reconnect with you. And then the third R for me is recognize I made a mistake. That awareness that I know I made a mistake and that I speak it. And so then I say what it was, Mm -hmm. whatever it was and recognize what, why I think what I did was not right. Mm -hmm not trying to defend it, right? I'm sorry, I was angry and I did, or I was hungry, <laughs> that's often <laughs> what it is. Hungry and I did this, but I did this mm-hmm. and owning mm-hmm. it. And in the future, whatever I'm gonna do in the future. Um, so I'll be happy to share a picture of this with your listeners, but there was one day and it was, I don't know, back in March that I, you know, it was not a really good positive discipline morning getting the kids off to school. (laughs) (laughs) I have a story to share when you're done. So yes, please share. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how those things work, right? All my little R's is I printed my, my, one of my children really loves animals and she loves the sloth. So... I wrote her, I print, I found this really cute artwork of a sloth and I printed it out and I created this card and it says, I'm a little slow. Sometimes I feel awful about this morning. I am sorry. It was a mistake to make you feel bad. It was a mistake to yell and it was a mistake to blame in the future. I will work quicker to catch myself and my lid. We can talk about that in a second and my lid quicker and cool off before I say something mean. I hope you can forgive me. Love mom. And I was able to tuck it into her lunchbox so that she actually found it at lunch. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, she, didn't, she didn't know I went back to school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after dropping her off, being so mean. So, you know, so I, she was going to be cooled off, number one. Yeah. Right? I recognized the mistake. I reconnected with her. The, the sloth, I was hoping anyway, was reconnecting with her because I found something that I knew that she liked. I apologized for the action and I was very clear about what I did that was a mistake. Um, and I resolved to do something in the future. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> I love that so much. And um, I really appreciate that first piece around everybody being calm. I think that we are all Mm -hmm. so anxious to get moving and wanting everybody to be on our agenda and our time. My story, which I shared, I think I shared it on a Facebook Live a few weeks ago, but, you know, I have a 14-year-old, I have a teenager, and so we're bumping up against all the typical teen things and all the, I think, probably our typical parent fears. Well, I'm bumping up against that. She is not. And she doesn't have right, the same fears you Right. <laughs> anyway, there was um, something came up and we were talking about it and I slipped into fear and I just kept going on and on. And I remember in my mind thinking like, I really want her to get this. I really want her to understand the depth here. And I just was like on and on until it kind of took <laughs> a turn where it became um, hurt, like kind of passive aggressive hurtful. And then I just knew I yeah. had to walk out. She got, she teared up and I was like, okay, well now I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to walk away. And I walked away and got it together. And a little while later I walked and she was in the bathroom brushing her teeth. And I walked in and I just stood there and she looked at me and she was teeth brushing. And I said, well, I want to, I want to make it right with you. And she's brushing her teeth, looking at me and she has a Sonicare. And so every time the Sonicare died, she turned it back on. <laughs> <laughs> And I just stood there and I was like, really? You're just going to keep turning it on? And she kind of raised her eyebrows and, you know, was like, gave the the teen like, yeah, 
look to me. And so I, and I stood there for a while and then I said, fine, you know, and I walked away. And as soon as I walked away, she turned off her toothbrush and she said, no, wait, come back. Mm-hmm. Which was like both of us, I, I felt it energetically, both of us releasing, you mm-hmm. know, and then I got to say, hey, you know, I just went on and on and it got hurtful and it was not helpful to you. And I'm really sorry that I treated you like that. I got caught up in my fear and it, it's not okay to, to, to make people feel the way that I made you feel. And I'm sorry. Right. And then, and then done. We were, oh, oh and I, you know, and I was like, and I'm, you know, it's going to be a long road here. <laughs> I said, I'm really going to practice <laughs> recognizing when the fear creeps in and gets in my way. Um, and I'm going to do my best with that, you know? And yeah. And then we hugged it out and everything, you know, and then we were like back on that solid ground with each other and able to move on. And I think that because that practice has been a part of our family since the kids were so little, it's a pretty quick recovery, you know, um, most of the time. <laughs> it's a pretty quick, like we can find our solid ground is so, our foundation is so solid that even when it gets rocky, we're pretty, you know, it's easy to find our footing again, which I'm grateful for, which I'm grateful for. And I love that as trainers, we both, you know, we get to facilitate this work for others as well as in our own home. Um, What are you noticing? What comes up in your classes? What do you think gets in the way around making amends for people? Where do they get hung up? Well, I think the first place that we as adults get hung up is being willing to have our children, you know, whether it's our, our, our students or our children, see us making a mistake. I mean, for a while, um, it hasn't been really until recently that my husband and I have strong conversations right? Where we don't agree with things in front of the kids because they sometimes they have, they now trust that we're going to come back together no matter what we say. And sometimes there's this concern of, Oh no, (laughs) I can see it in Julian's face. Like, are you, Oh no. Um, so I think that there is this idea sometimes that we have to have this facade of adults have it all together Mm -hmm. And really the opposite in my experience is true. And my belief is true that them, that when our children see adults be able to make mistakes and recover from mistakes and share the power of a heartfelt reconnection apology, because mm-hmm. it's not just an, right. I'm sorry. Right. That's important. And it's not a walk over there and say, you're right. sorry. You know, I, there was a lot of that. I remember sort of, (laughs) I I have an older brother, but he's six years older than I am. So I can remember that. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And feeling that it wasn't real. Right. And knowing that it wasn't real. And so that actually did more damage to our relationship, our sibling relationship than it did good. Yeah. Um, so I think that you said this already, we want to we want to rush and get through things, mm-hmm. and so if the apology could be really fast, then fine. Um, so that's the second thing: is that we want to rush, and and this stuff takes time. Yeah. It takes time to find your words, because first you have to not be mad, and there's a. It's probably that when you did something that's that was damaging to the relationship, you did it when you were mad. So you have to calm down first before you can even recognize and have awareness that, oh, man, what I just said, that was probably hurtful because it's really hard to be empathetic when you're so mad. And don't you think also, like, I, I think, yes, and we feel like it has, we have to recover so fast. Mm-hmm. And we don't, you don't, listeners, listen to us. It's It's okay, even if it's the next day, even if it's, the afternoon after school, mm. after having a tough morning, right? It's, it, 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 the power is, it's not about like some quick turnaround. Can I say something else about that? 
even if it's years later. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I mentioned that I didn't find positive discipline as a parenting style <laughs> until my children were five mm-hmm. and four. Um, and when my little girl was three, um, I needed to bathe her. She was really dirty and she did not want to take a bath. And I had not found my graceful self mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was not at all playful. And so, but I was very respectful. I did not want to take off her clothing in any sort of rough mm-hmm. way. But I did want her hair to be washed because I think it probably had some lots of <laughs> dirt, mud, whatever it yeah. was, you know, um, probably sand. We were at the Mm -hmm. beach. So I remember her screaming. And because usually adults are bigger and can lift children who are three up, I plopped her in the tub. I said, I'm sorry you don't want to take a bath, but it's right Mm -hmm. now. Now. Because I had to do whatever else Mm -hmm. I had to do. So fast forward five years. My children are now eight and nine. They are still kind of reluctant bathers. (laughs) (laughs) traumatized (laughs) (laughs) and you know who knows knows? but but I had the opportunity I was alone my my father my father oh sorry Peter my (laughs) husband um my husband was traveling over Mother's Day so I actually had the opportunity to be like a solo parent on Mother's Day which was awesome um and it, we all had to bathe. <laughs> it was hot. We all had to do it. And as I was cleaning up the kitchen, I had this thought about that day in the tub. And I was cleaning cleaning up the kitchen, and I said, if you guys have a minute, I have an apology that I have to have with you. Um, and sat down after I finished wiping things up, and I said, I am sorry. And they're like, they look, each look to each other like, she hasn't done anything yet today. Um, <laughs> and I said, when you were three, I plopped you in the tub. And I, I you know, I washed you without your whole, do you remember that? And she, and she looked at me and her eyes got big and wide. And Julian said to me, mommy, I was, I wanted to stand up for Ava. Mm. I wanted to stand up for Ava, but I was really afraid that you would put me in my room. And so I didn't say anything. And I, you know, I don't know. Does he remember that? Does he not remember that? Like, really? Or does he remember the feeling? Yeah. I don't know if he remembers the moment or the feeling, but I just went with what he said with he remembered the moment. And I said, I'm sorry. I was doing the best I could with the tools I had at that mm-hmm. time. And I know that what I know now, I would not do that again. Yeah. And what I was doing was setting the stage because if they're if they're worried about bathing now, <laughs> I know what's going to happen to them in the next few years. Their bodies are going to change. They're going to get really they're smelly. They're going to get smelly, <laughs> right? They're 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 not there yet. Yeah. Neither yeah. one of them hormonally, but I wanted to be able to, like, I had that thought. And guess what? This week they're just trotting to the tub and taking a bath by themselves. Well, Is that a coincidence or have they let that? I don't right, know. Who knows? But energetically, I just love to think about what's happening energetically with our kids. When we can, when you connected like that with them, like the energetic release, I had a, a gal in one of my classes who her, the struggle was teeth brushing, right? One day, one one parent mm-hmm. helping parent, she was getting help around her son and teeth brushing. And then a whole, a couple of weeks later, we were in class and somebody brought up um, like just random techniques that are hurtful that parents use, like saucing. Have you ever heard of saucing where you put hot sauce in their mouth for making a mistake? Oh gosh. So the same mom was says, well, there was that one time I put hot sauce on his toothbrush and I looked at her and I said, wow, I wonder if that's connected to why he now doesn't like brushing his teeth. And her whole face changed. And it was like, she had never put those two things together. Mm-hmm. And it was really mm-hmm. helpful because it became less about 
her taking it personally and him just being defiant and more of, wow, we have some, like there's healing to be done there. And that's what I'm hearing in your story is like an opportunity to heal a a past wound. Right. So that's awesome. And our, and that our children, here's, here's another like when we go back to recover to something, I think another thing that gets in people's ways of having recovery connection or having recovery conversations is that we don't want to ruin a perfectly good day or a perfectly good moment, perfectly good 10 minutes of time to go back and recover. Like everything's fine right now. Why would I want to go back to that place? Mm-hmm. And in our family, We've gotten over that, mm-hmm. but I think that that is a hurdle that we have that um, people new to this idea of connection and accountability can trip up on because if it's going really well now, why would I want to bring something up that's tough? And that can be the moment to bring it mm-hmm. up because everything is calm yeah. and the brain is, is actually able to hear it. Um, I do think let's go back to the, to the weekends conversation I have with my kids. I asked them if they would both be willing to have a recovery conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that I learned, believe it or not, reading, um, the, the autobiography of Nelson Mandela, which is he, he, be- he believed that apartheid ended for one, one of the reasons that he was able to bring that, con- that, huge social change Mm -hmm. in a country is his ability to have a conversation about the conversation. Mm, I love that. And you don't know what someone else is going through in their day. You really are ready to apologize, but they may have 16 other things on their mind and they can't even listen to you. Right. Or as they become teenagers, I think that asking permission for that conversation. And when you get a no, I'm not ready. And it feels like, oh, like what in my experience, it feels a little hurtful to receive, Mm -hmm. which is a great indicator to me that my child is still hurting. And so the follow-up just becomes, well, let me know when you're ready. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.
And I think that going back to what you said about not wanting to bring something up when everything's going so well, like really getting curious around that, you know, because I think that that is a reflection of how pain, the pain that we feel around our mistake, the adult, versus the right thing to do, which is to model one, on one hand, to model, but on the other hand, to heal with the child. Mm -hmm. Like you can be uncomfortable and you can make amends. But discomfort is not, like, that's not, don't let it be a roadblock. It could be a speed bump. But, you know, discomfort, I think, is a place to get curious, not a place to stop. Oh, this is where you're, I have to say that being in this conversation can show up. Like, there are a couple of recovery conversations that I'm actively avoiding having. (laughs) You and me both, (laughs) girl. Like, oh, no, I don't want to do this today. I'm having a perfectly good day. But there, um, and often I can have recovery conversations with kids, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, And some of the, like, recovery conversation with with peers or someone that I have not, I've got some physical distance Mm with um, that might be adults in Mm -hmm. my life. Um, to get curious about that too, just for my own self and I, and being aware of it can, it can be uncomfortable and being able to practice being in that discomfort and saying the words anyway Mm -hmm. is where some real growth has the opportunity to occur. And then I think I had to look at my own personal response to forgiveness Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is which is something that I am actively looking at, right? Like to really forgive someone um, has the opportunity to stand in their world and truly believe that they were doing the best that they could mm-hmm. with the tools that they had at the time that anything happened. Yeah, and forgiveness isn't condoning whatever hurt mm-hmm. has been inflicted on you. It's really releasing yourself from allowing that experience to continue to hurt you. Oh, right? Nice. That was deep. Did you write that down? I'm, write that. <laughs> I'm going to report, reread this or re-listen to it and re- write that down at that very moment. Thank you. And I think, oh, this is so juicy, right? And I think too, you know, when I'm thinking about one conversation in particular that I need to have, you know, there's also the story that I create about what my mistake means about me, which is, and it's simply a story, right? If I didn't follow through with something I said I was going to do, if it took a turn and, and in the end I didn't follow through, I get to, I can, that's a, that's a neutral, like that's just what happened, right? And then as the human looking at that, I get to either decide, I get to decide the story I tell about that. And it's so easy to slip into, oh, I suck. I'm the worst. (laughs) I failed, right? And this other person is going to think that I suck and that I'm the worst and that I failed. Or I can choose a different, you know. Or or that I'm a, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Or that I'm a fraud. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very familiar with that. Because, (laughs) yeah. I think all of us parent educators, you know, we have those really tough moments with our kids. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, how do I? How is it possible that I people pay me money to teach them? <laughs> Full disclosure, <laughs> listeners, this happens. Well, th- that's it's funny because I don't I, I I feel like I'm so transparent about the foibles that I have with my kids mm-hmm. that I never feel like a fraud in parenting in the parenting stuff. But for the other adults in my life who know that this is what I do, and then I'm really so committed to having mutually respectful relationships. Okay, so in that experience with the adults, right, in our life where things get messy and we don't show up as ourselves, where has that where has that shown up for you and what have you done about it? So the most recent experience, Casey, that comes to mind is really with my parents. And now I'm like, Eck, do I want to send this to my parents for them to listen to? But I will. Um, they came to visit the weekend after the inauguration. And for us, the election was very different in our house, right? Mm-hmm. From how our 
my immediate family with my husband and my children experienced the election and how my parents experienced the election, we both had really different feelings about the outcome. Mm-hmm. One of us was happy. One of us wasn't. Um, and what I find is in my work, I can sort of be a buoy above all of that fractious conversation and drop in and get really curious and not get so bogged down in the emotion. And with adults that I'm really close to, sometimes my tools and all the tools that I use professionally evaporate personally. Mm-hmm. And the conversation um, that happened back in January when my parents were here was not productive and was frankly really hurtful. Mm-hmm. I was really hurtful to them. Um, so I just recently saw them and I was not able to have a conversation with my dad because he was going through his stuff and we didn't have a moment or time, but I was able to have a repair conversation with my mom where I had already regathered myself, right? That, that if we're talking about ours of recovery and I made myself really rational before I started it and I recognized with her, I really, really stepped in it and was unkind to you the last time we were together. And how that happened and how what that resulted in is the whole weekend was about us, about me, really, and my resistance and my anger at you instead of any questions or conversations or curiosity. I didn't use the tools that I had and I'm so, so sorry. Mm-hmm. And what I resolve in the future, mom, and this is really the way I was with her and it, it, it's so fresh because it happened yesterday morning. <laughs> um, but how, what I really, really resolve with you is to show up and ask questions and really be curious about where you are and, and what you're, what you're coming, where you're coming from without judgment, because I want to know you. Mm -hmm. How was that received? So gracefully, Mm. so beautifully. There was so much hurt. I mean, and you know, January and yesterday and for the listeners, um, my, my yesterday was the last week of June or the last week of July. Mm-hmm. So that was six months of sitting on it. Yeah. And, and where I go back to that is that with the people that you love and the people who are most important to you, even if you don't love them, even if you are in relationship with them, right. Whether it's your adult colleagues or, you know, who, whomever you need to have these repair conversations with, it's never too late. Yeah. Love to that. recognize at when you are calm and maybe asking them if they are also calm. So asking them for the invitation into the conversation, mm-hmm. but it's never too late to practice repair. Beautiful. Love it. So in this context of repair and relationship, Kristen, what does joyful courage mean to you? So I don't think that repairing relationships comes naturally or easy to us. It is a practice. And so in the context of repairing relationships, what joyful courage means to me is that there's a consistent opportunity to practice repair, that it's always worth it that it's not, it's so important in the whole trajectory of our lives together as human beings. And it helps to, you know, if we can be joyful in our repair, then maybe we can also turn the corner and be joyful about mistakes. Mm -hmm. And those two really weave together like um, longitude and latitude, and they can hold us in this sea of uncertainty. Mm. That was deep. I liked it. I don't know if you saw the interweaving of my fingers. But I did. So I was. Probably- <laughs> <laughs> my fingers are all together. Like I love there anything that's going to interweave and hold us. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, where can listeners find you and follow your your work and what you're doing in the world? 
So I'll make sure that I get the right Facebook follow in the show notes. So please okay. look, um, because I don't, I'm, I'm practicing my skill and building my skills at Facebook. So I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> I think it's my <laughs> website, although I know, and my website is, um, www.selchicago.com. Okay. And that stands for social emotional learning and, Great. um, the coaching that I do for parents and for, uh, community leaders, including school leaders, helps adults build their social emotional skills. And I'm really looking at all of these opportunities to build skills. Awesome. Great. Mm-hmm. And if people yeah. want to work with you around coaching, they can just find you on your website. They can find me on my website. Great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being with me, Kristen. This was so great. Oh, Casey, you are such a big part of growth, my own personal growth. And I am so honored to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening this summer. I know some of the shows are pretty old and you can hear the evolution of the podcast and how much better things got as far as sound quality. And as long as you can get through the sound quality, you can hear some really good, useful nuggets of information in the conversations. So thanks for hanging in there, even though the sound quality wasn't always super amazing. I'm so glad that you kept tuning in. And I encourage you to sign up for our mailing list at Sproutable. We have emails that are segmented um, and meet the needs of whatever parenting stage you're in. So there's emails for parents of littles. There's emails for parents of school age kids. There's emails from me for parents of adolescents. Head to Sproutable.com and scroll down to the bottom of the page to sign up for the newsletter list that's right for you. And if you want to be on more than one list and can't figure out how to do it, shoot an email to info at besproutable.com to ask how you can be sure to receive multiple newsletters if that's what you want. We stay in touch weekly with tips, stories, and offers that we know you'll find practical. Thanks again so much for listening in. Have a beautiful day, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Bye. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.